Everybody knows that in 2020, community is one of the best ways to build defensibility within a startup. Unfortunately, there are still many tools that are needed to be used in order to run a successful community that's engaging, right? You want to have a newsletter for community? Great, it's Substack. You want to have a discussion board? Great, maybe it's Notion. You want to have events? It's Eventbrite. You want to have an actual software? Maybe it's Slack or Circle. But it wasn't until now that all of these tools and use cases are pulled into one tool. But today's sponsor for Forward Thinking Founders has done just that. Edition.so has taken all these parts of community building, put it under one platform, so you don't have to focus on community ops. All you have to focus on is community building. So if you are sick of stitching together all these different tools to build a community, but you want to have one, you want to have a thriving community for your startup, for your creator career, then give Edition.so a try. Right now, there is a waitlist to get in, but if you go to addition.so slash forward thinking, you'll be able to be bumped up to the top, give the platform a try, and use community to all the benefits that it has. So if you're sick of using 17 different tools to run your community, head to addition.so slash forward thinking and get started today. Now let's get into today's episode. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository. And for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Martin Langelo Leon, who's the founder of Responseflow. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Yeah, thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. I'm learning more about what you're working on with Responseflow. For people that haven't heard of your company, can you kind of share what you're working on? Absolutely. So the shortest pitch I got is the MailChimp of SMS. So basically what we're doing is helping businesses communicate in a human personalized way that basically mimics the human interaction that you would do when you text your friends. So kind of give me an idea of, of how this would work. You know, if I, if I signed up with this, if I was a customer, can you kind of give me um, like my user experience, what I could expect as a customer or user of this product? Absolutely. So we basically hyper, um, hypercharge the way that businesses communicate uh, with their customers through 10 digit local phone numbers. So when you sign up, you sign up and you get to, without even putting a credit card in, uh, get a, the option to put a area code for where you're located. Uh, and then you get signed up. Um, and then you can start texting them just like you do with your email marketing. Uh, we enable the customers to be able to text back or even call directly and get connected to a representative at that company. So for the consumer's side, I mean, in many ways, we were built for the end consumer more so than the business because we help uh, from the consumer side 
to make it seem as if the business owner took time out of their day to manually text you. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. It also like shows, you know, I feel like texts like that, that medium um, is, is just like so powerful and like fairly underrated in my opinion. You're, you know, exploiting that, you know, in the best way, which is great. We'll have to hear a little bit about the origin story. Why did you decide to start this? You know, you know, when did you start it? Just a little bit about the backstory would, would be great. Absolutely. I mean, it's a long one, but I mean, I love it. Um, it, it started in the way that many startups start, uh, just from a need that I had myself. Uh, in my previous company, I was working for a prosthetic startup uh, where I was heading up sales and biz dev. And while I was heading up the sales team, uh, we were having great success with paid ads. And we were getting like 3,000 leads within a month when we could only even facilitate 50 a week. So we had leads for years. But the thing was, um, when the patient had scheduled a follow-up call and a consultation with the doctor, only 9% of the people that scheduled it actually even picked up the phone. So obviously that made me look like a fool. <laughs> so I needed to find a way to solve it. So we started experimenting with text messages and just personally sending a text message 30 minutes ahead of the call saying, hey, my name is Martin. I'm really excited to get you into a comfortable prosthetic. Um, and by doing that, we saw conversion rates increase by 233%. So it was massively impactful. Um, and obviously it was great, but the problem was also that it had some side effects. Uh, now the sales team was spending a majority of their time while they had like four of these calls every hour, they were sending messages and writing them up, getting the names wrong, the phone number wrong. Uh, it wasn't ideal. Plus some of the patients would call at like 4 a.m. asking, hey, how are you doing? Thank you so much for like getting me in touch with this company. Um, which obviously is a good side effect, but still for the sales team, hard to manage. Um, so in my previous career, um, and while I was in college, I was working with a company that was automating customer success flows for Nike, Expedia, Unilever, and Transamerica. So I had seen how the big boys did it. Um, the problem was these companies were paying like $3 million to get this set up. So the tools that we were using, like IBM Watson, couldn't really work for a small scale startup. Um, but the problem that I had wasn't really that advanced and it was using text messages. So I was convinced that this is something that had to exist. Um, so this was in the fall of 2018. Uh, I tried every product on the market. I mean, literally everything uh, for four months straight and legitimately nothing worked. Nothing did the three basic things that we needed. It needed to be able to automate based on a Facebook lead that came in and send a message with a organic delay. It needed to be able to send a message from a local phone number and it needed to allow the customer to text back or call directly and get connected to the correct sales rep. And shockingly, this was something that nobody had built. Um, and eventually I got so frustrated that we ended up building a prototype using a VOIP API uh, called Tulio. Um, but the problem was it took us three like weeks to even get a prototype out there. That was a static solution that we couldn't edit at all. And as soon as it was done, the marketing team said, Hey Martin, uh, this product does not really say what we wanted to say. So can you go back to the drawing board and change it up a little bit? Obviously that delayed it by another three weeks. So one and a half months later, we had a static solution that just did one basic thing. And I was baffled by the fact that this was not something that wasn't available, no code. Um, so this was back in December of 2019, like 2018. 
And I remember I was specifically at the SAS lounge in Newark airport on my way back to Norway for Christmas. And I called up the smartest guy I knew. Uh, at the time, he was the youngest professor in uh, the University of Oklahoma computer science history, uh, studying a PhD in machine learning and sentiment analysis. Um, and I knew I had 30 minutes because right, that was when my flight, flight was leaving and I wouldn't have access to a phone for the next like month. So I was incredibly passionate about getting on this call, getting him convinced. Thankfully, those 30 minutes, me talking about my experience with doing research for four months and doing everything, got him convinced enough to say, let's do this. Obviously, I promised him the prototype would be done within a month. Naturally, it took six. Uh, <laughs> but when we got the prototype out um, in June of 2019, uh, we saw instant traction. Uh, I was right. This product problem wasn't something that uh, was unique to me. And we broke even already two months later. In August, we were already profitable and we kept growing 60% month over month. Um, and it was really eye-opening. So obviously we decided to uh, raise money. Uh, and that was uh, earlier this year uh, in 2020, we started. Um, and in March, we felt we had everything closed and everything was ready. Uh, we had two investors that was going to invest uh, $250,000 each for a pre-seed round. Um, we were so convinced that uh, three out of the four co-founders that was at the time living together, doing this just part-time nights and weekends uh, while doing a full-time job, uh, quit their jobs and was like, yeah, we're going to get this. Uh, the Friday before a decision deadline that was on a Monday, this was in the middle of COVID, obviously. Um, one of the lead investors dropped out, uh, sent an email and said, hey, um, we can't participate anymore. We have investments that we need to back up. Right now they need capital and we have to safeguard our investments instead of making new ones. So uh, obviously I was sitting at my current daytime office at the time, reading the email with a rock in my stomach saying, oh shit, I have to go back to the guys at the house and tell them, Hey, I know you just quit your jobs, but uh, yeah, we're not going to get the investment. Uh, so I was planning on stopping by a liquor store to buy some champagne, ended up buying whiskey, um, and I drove home. Uh, the news obviously broke just like I expected. One of the guys straight up just walked out and was like, I cannot do this anymore. This is such a roller coaster. Um, and the rest of the guys obviously were super depressed. Um, but I said, hey, we started bootstrapped. We've made it this far. At the time, we were at four grand uh, MRR. Not a lot, but starting from zero uh, in less than half a year, it was big enough. Um, and uh, we met, I decided that we had to meet up that uh, Saturday at 10 a.m. So I woke up early, I drove to Starbucks, and I was getting coffee for everybody. Got back, they had already dropped by Dunkin' Donuts, and they were already sitting there discussing solutions. So obviously I had discounted their uh, kind of passion on this and the guy that walked out just walked straight up to me. was like, Martin, I'm so sorry. Let's figure this shit out. We built this together. We got this. Um, and within four hours of that day, we raced or got commitments for $388,000 when the investor that dropped out on Friday was for 250. So, uh, and the fun part there was that 68,000 of which, came from a high school teacher that was $68,000 worth of precious gemstones. So uh, right now that's obviously central to our culture. All the product releases has the carrots and the color 
of the gemstones that we got, uh, which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, that's how we got where we are today. Uh, we all quit our day jobs at that time, moved to Tulsa, uh, and now we've been growing the business from the four co-founders to now have our 18th employee that we're about to hire. From that roller coaster, and that truly sounds like a roller coaster, what is the biggest learning that you have from that that you kind of take into the next stage of the company? What did you learn over that process? Honestly, it's resilience. Uh, it was the biggest thing, plus trusting your co-founders. Like, I cannot imagine, and I have so much deep respect for solo founders, because they don't get that kind of backup. Um, when I was going in there and I was thinking, shit, I, I felt alone when I was going into it. But that Saturday, I knew that all the co-founders were together on this. We were going to push through. I mean, we even decided that like, okay, what do we really need to get like our engineer full-time so that we can get this solution up and running? Because we already had a commitment from a customer for $700,000. So we were like, okay, all we need is the product to be good enough for them. So let's just all focus on this. We had already talked to our contacts with accelerators and we're basically planning to move to Boulder. <laughs> so like this was all happening within one day, within four hours. And I mean, that following week, like startups are a roller coaster and it nothing like underlines it more than that following week after we got the news, the other lead investor decided to stay on. They obviously still invested. And we also got an email from Y Combinator inviting us to the second round of interviews. So it was like from day and night and it really like there was, it was so close. It would have been easy for us to just say, how about we just stay depressed stay sad that this investor dropped out and just take it for what it is and not meet up on Saturday and just lay in our beds and cry. But the fact that we didn't is why we're here today. Uh, and now on the route to hit a million ARR before the end of the year. So because you went through all that, you, you know, you survived and that's kind of like why he says just like survive until, until you're thriving pretty much. Um, what, 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 what does that look like for you? What did you enable for yourself? Um, in other words, what is your big vision for five years, 10 years from now? And like kind of what direction are you rowing in, um, you know, in the future? Absolutely. So, I mean, from the very start, um, my background, I mean, I grew up in Norway, lived there until I was 20. Then I moved to Oklahoma for college um, and started getting into startups. So my background was fully international. And I knew that text messages is not a thing in Europe. Um, and so I, I came into this with, obviously, initially I wanted to solve a problem. And that problem was a US-based one. But as we were building the platform, I realized that, okay, we can be innovative in America, but we can be truly revolutionizing in like worldwide outside of North America. So that's what really built under what we're doing today. And now we've built our platform to be completely phone provider agnostic. Like we could attach to a phone number in Japan or in India or in Germany, no matter where it is, we are not built on the capabilities of a VOIP API. We have built everything in-house, our automation capabilities, everything that makes us the way that we are, that really underlines our why of every conversation is unique. And respecting that, um, we know that local phone number text messages is not something that's like even used outside of North America, even though it's been here since 2016. So consumers get a text and they just assume, well, I probably can't text back. 
because it came from a business and that's what they're desensitized to. But if we can go, for instance, to Ireland and we can have a business send a text from a pub for a visitor that dropped by Friday night that bought a beer and just text back that Saturday morning saying, hey, really appreciated you dropping by, Matt. Um, I know that you love Guinness. So next time you come here next weekend, I'm going to seek me out. And I'm going to make sure you get a free uh, pint of Guinness. Um, there's no way for that consumer to feel like that was an automated message because it's going to come from a local phone number. So that is like the ROI that can come from that. I, I'm so excited about it because that will truly be revolutionizing. And to make it happen, you'll, you'll need some help, right? Like, like you, no one does this alone. Obviously, you've already found it takes a village. Um, so my question is, how can the forward-thinking founders community help you? Are you looking for more customers? Are you looking for investors? Looking for, you know, potential employees? Um, you got all these listeners that are in the early-stage startup world. How can we help make your vision happen? Absolutely. So I feel like deep down, none of this would be possible without our employees. And while the co-founders, yes, we've shown resilience, but now that we're so many, there's not a single team member that I wouldn't want to be without. So I would say the most important thing we're looking for is more team members, great forward thinking people that want to be a part of this. And I, I feel like the one thing that we can give back is, and this is going to sound incredibly un-American to me, but if I were to be an employee, I would want to be an employee in Norway. Um, as I was growing up, my parents always had a mandatory eight week vacation. So I knew that every summer, we would take the sailboat out and we would sail around Europe. And it was the best memories of my life. I also knew that if there was any, so that's why we have unlimited PTO. Um, and I also knew that if I got hurt, I could always go to a hospital and get care. That's why we cover 100% of the premiums for every health, um, health insurance, life, dental, vision for all our employees. And then ultimately the end goal was what I grew up with, with my dad having access to a corporate cabin of all things, uh, which at the end of the year, at the New Year's party, everybody would pull out a week. That week you would have to take time off and you would get to bring whoever you wanted to this incredibly decked out cabin where um, there would be a jacuzzi, ski equipment for everybody. It would be room for 18 beds and you could live as if you would have been the executive of the company. Um, and that's exactly what I strive to do as well. Um, and I want to make sure that everybody gets that. And if someone kind of feels what you're saying, they like what you're building, they want to get involved in any capacity, how, how can someone do that? What's the URL? Are you on social media? Can they email you? How can someone get in touch? Absolutely. I mean, dropping by the website and checking out our careers page is going to be the easiest one to see if it's a fit right now. Um, as we're growing, we're looking to raise more money uh, in Q3 of 2021. Uh, so we're going to be bringing on a lot then. That's when we're going to really start reaching international. Um, but in the meantime, always feel free to seek me out on LinkedIn, uh, Martin Langelo Lean, uh, or just find me through RespondFlow there. Or you can always just email me at martin at respondflow.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt. 
All right. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you're sitting there and you're just saying, Matt, I want more. How can I get more? Well, luckily, you can get it at Forward Thinking City. Forward Thinking City is a community for the Forward Thinking Network, right? And we have multiple different aspects of the city. One, we have AMAs. Some of the previous guests that have been on the podcast, like Jonathan Barkle, Kristen Anderson, Austin Allred, come back and they do AMAs with the residents. You can ask them any question that you want, right? You can ask them about fundraising raising the early days how they got their customers we do these every single week with another you know really great founder that has been on the podcast additionally um, we have our pitch battles right so if you want feedback on your pitch and the opportunity to potentially pitch in front of vcs and talk one-on-one with venture capitalists this is where to do it these are monthly pitch battles so if you don't get in the first time try again right the goal is to improve and get feedback to eventually one, raise, uh, get, get into the room with the VCs. Two, raise capital. Three, so you can get back to your company and building a great startup, building a great business. The last thing I'll mention is that if you were kind of interested in just community, we have our coffee hours and happy hours where you can meet other residents, learn about what they're working on, talk about social things, anything you want. This is a city for founders. It is for investors. It is for startup enthusiasts. It's for anyone that loves startups. So if you're interested in what I'm saying, Go to forwardthinking.city and join the city for $15 a month. Um, you know, the way the reason I charge is because I want to be able to do this full time and bring as much value as I possibly can. And I think it's well worth the value. You can ask any of the current residents and they will attest to that. So go to forwardthinking.city, join the city, and you'll see immediately the, the next AMA, the next pitch battle, the next event. And I hope to see you there. Forwardthinking.city. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.